Jackson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. I want to talk about the Brewers today. I want to talk about baseball. I'm just I'm just kind of in a baseball mood today. So that's where we're going. But first, we got a couple of housekeeping things to cover. A couple of big pieces of news that happened today. Firstly, uh, earlier this morning, if golf is your thing, the Ryder Cup, finally it was announced that it's going to be postponed to next year. So Wisconsin's not going to lose the Ryder Cup. It's still going to happen. It's just going to be next year, hopefully, <laughs> assuming we get this thing figured out by then. So if you were going to watch the Ryder Cup in person at Whistling Straits, or if you are going to watch on TV and you were going to feel Wisconsin pride, hell yeah, Wisconsin, not until next year. Wisconsin's kind of got the short end of the stick on a lot of these events that have been canceled. The Democratic National Convention, we thought we were maybe going to get an NBA Finals in Milwaukee. We're not getting that. I mean, lacrosse lost out on the state track meet. They lost out on the first graduation this spring. They have since canceled the second one that was postponed until August. And now we're not even going to get Oktoberfest. So we're losing money hand and fist in Wisconsin because all these events are getting canceled. The Ryder Cup is the latest. That was We thought that was going to happen for a while, but that was announced this morning. I heard Bill Michaels talking about it today on WKTY. So that's that's been done. I don't have much to say about golf anyways, but a piece of Wisconsin sports news. The rest of the big news that happened this afternoon was all related to college sports. And I've said many times on this show over the last couple of weeks, college sports are going to have a tougher row to hoe than any of these other professional sports. Because not only does the University of Madison, for example, University of Wisconsin, have to worry about football and basketball, but they also have to worry about classes and parties and bars and huge student populations mixing in with their athletes. College sports, it's its going to be really, really tough and some bad news in the world of college sports this afternoon. We'll get to that in a second. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. Hope you're doing well. Uh, you can join the show on the Five Star Telecom Talking Text Line, 608-796-2558. I want to open up the conversation to you, especially when we start talking about the Brewers and the Brewers' schedule and what this upcoming 60-game season might look like for the Brewers. I want to talk a lot about the Brewers today. I'm in a baseball mood, so we'll get there. Give me about 10 minutes. we got to cover some of this uh, this news that broke this afternoon. So two big announcements in the world of college sports. Number one, and I hope this isn't a sign of things to come, but it certainly feels as though it is, that this is a sign of things to come. Stanford this afternoon cut 11 of its 36 varsity sports programs. And I know that this isn't Wisconsin news. Palo Alto is quite a different place than La Crosse, Wisconsin. But like I said, this feels like a sign of things to come. They, they're cutting men and women's fencing, field hockey, lightweight rowing, men's rowing, co-ed and women's sailing, squash, synchronized swimming, men's volleyball, and wrestling. And I don't know how you feel about a lot of those sports. I'm, I'm going to assume that many of you don't spend your nights watching competitive sailing. But these are revenue streams for Stanford and an opportunity to draw in students and to give out scholarships. And let's not act like wrestling is some no-name sport here. Wrestling is a big deal. And it's a big sport, especially at a school like UWL. I've said for the last couple of weeks, I'm worried about sports like wrestling or tennis or track and field. Sports that have lots of athletes, really good athletes. And in the case of UWL, 
really good in comparison to the WIAC and the rest of the country even. But they don't bring in the revenue that football and basketball do. So when these colleges and these athletic departments have to make decisions about what to save and what to give up on, Stanford's going to try every play in the book to make sure football happens. They're not going to do the same for wrestling or fencing or squash or swimming. That's not a surprise. And I hope it's not a trend that we see in the WIAC or in schools like UWL or Viterbo. But I got to think that we might. If Stanford can't hack it, I, I, I have concerns about UWL as well. Stanford said they're facing a $70 million loss over three years. 11 varsity sports gone like that at Stanford this afternoon, and I don't think it's going to stop with Stanford or with the Pac-12. The other big announcement from this afternoon is the Ivy League is canceling all their fall sports. They're not postponing them. They are canceling them. In fact, the Ivy League says no sports until at least January 1st of 2021. Won't even talk about it until then. Now, maybe, just maybe, the Ivy League can move football to the spring. But look, I, I'm going to caution you to not get your hopes up for spring football. Let's say the Big Ten or the SEC or, or, or any form and fashion of college football cancels this fall. Don't get your hopes up for football being played in the spring. It's, it's an easy thing to suggest. Well, just move it to the spring. You can't play football in the spring and then turn around and also play it in the fall. These college athletes' bodies are still growing. They're developing. They can't take that much of a pounding in that short of a window of time. And plus the NFL schedule, which coincides with college football schedule, so the draft and so player evaluations can take place and so bowl season can take place, it's not going to work. So if college football can't be played this fall, I'm sorry, but it's, it's not going to happen in the spring. Maybe in the Ivy League where there's not a lot of NFL players and it's more of a it's more of a Northeast regional Ivy League thing, okay, maybe they could pull it off. But to think that the SEC or the Big Ten can play football in the spring, don't hold your breath. Don't get your hopes up. The Ivy League, if you remember, was the first domino to fall in college basketball. They were the first conference to say, we're not doing our conference tournament. We're not playing in the NCAA tournament. We're done. We're out. It's over. They were the first conference to make that decision. Now, in this case, college football, Maybe the other conferences follow, maybe. But the Ivy League is a little bit different from the SEC and the ACC and the Big Ten. The Ivy League is a lot less financially vulnerable. The Ivy League can afford to lose a football season. They don't make that much money off football anyways. People go to the Ivy League because the Ivy League is academically brilliant. And smart people go to the Ivy League. People don't go to the Ivy League to watch the football. That's a nice part. It's a nice, that's a nice feature at any college. It's to watch athletics and go to games and, and have parties before and after. Don't worry. That's great. But people aren't going to Harvard to go watch the football team. It's a nice plus, but that's not the reason people go there. There are colleges all over the country, not even talking Big Ten, SEC, ACC, Pac-12, Big 12, like, like community college or private college in Wisconsin or in Minnesota. There are colleges that require football, for example, to fill their classrooms, to fill their dorms. A couple examples, Carroll in Waukesha. A huge part of their student population is there to play sports. Bryant and Stratton Community College in Milwaukee. A lot of their students are there to play sports. Itasca Community College in northern Minnesota. Colleges like that. They better recruit in football because the school will not be full of students if they can't recruit. Schools like that are going to have a really tough time if they can't play sports because they can't get any students. The Ivy League, they'll be able to fill classrooms with or without football. A school like UWL, they don't have football. Okay. There's still a lot of reasons to come to UWL, but there are some schools that rely on football for a huge chunk of not only their student population, 
and or their revenue. Clemson, LSU, Alabama, they burn through money hand over fist, building practice facilities, recruiting players. If that revenue stream is all of a sudden gone, the bills don't go away. LSU still got to recruit to keep up with Alabama. Clemson still got to build practice facilities and locker rooms to keep up with LSU. If that money stops, the bills don't stop for these schools. Harvard can go without a football season. LSU, Clemson, Bama, Auburn, Oklahoma, they're a little bit more financially vulnerable. And I know a lot of people, when they hear this news about financial shortcomings leading to the cut of sports, a lot of people are going to say, well, Harvard, Stanford, those schools have huge endowments. They can they can use that money to, to help sports. No, that's not how endowments work. Stanford has a $27 billion endowment. Harvard's got almost $41 billion tied up in their endowment fund. But these aren't emergency funds. They're investment strategies, right? Endowments have a very specific legal structure, the way they're invested. Very little risk, and they're invested for a specific purpose. Fellowships, research, scholarships, grants. This takes time, right? Endowments are used over long periods of time. And when donors, specifically alumni, kick in a couple million dollars to Harvard to help medical students uh, pay their student loans and their bills to come over from Africa and learn how to be a doctor, right? If a donor gives a million dollars, that'll help a couple students, but, but that's not the goal. The goal is to create a lasting donation and a lasting program to help with scholarships or fellowships or research or grants. So what happens is an alumni will donate, say, a million dollars. And over the course of 20 years, Harvard will take that money and in perpetuity invest it and grow it. So the benefit, whatever it was intended by the donor, because donors typically donate with something specific in mind, it can grow over time and it can be used more than once, right? It's not a one-time donation. This is something that can be used for years and years and years to come. Endowments have nothing to do with this. I was on Twitter and I was on Facebook today seeing what people had to say as Stanford cut 11 varsity sports. They're like, Stanford has a $27 billion endowment. Yeah, that's not how endowments work. That's not how it works. Stanford and the Ivy League and other schools, they, they'll they be okay without sport. They got to make some cuts and they'll have to restructure, but they'll be okay without sports. Big 10, SEC, Big 12, Pac-12, ACC. They're going to try every play in the playbook to make sure sports are played this fall. Because the Bills aren't stopping. They still got to recruit. Still got to keep up with the Joneses, practice facilities, locker rooms, film rooms, dorms. Bills don't stop, right? I, I, I don't think in this case that the Ivy League is the first domino to fall in a long line of dominoes. It, that, that was the case in the spring. I don't think that's going to be the case now. Now, college football might end up being canceled anyway, but only after every possible avenue and option is exhausted because these schools need football. Not Harvard, not the Ivy League. But many schools in this country need football for a multitude of reasons. Financially, to fill classrooms, everything. They're going to try every play in the playbook. There we go. So that's the news of today. College sports. It's going to be tough for college sports. This is no surprise. Like, this was not unexpected. No surprise. College sports are going to have a tough time coming back. But today I want to talk about baseball. I watched the Brewers scrimmage today on their website. They were streaming on Facebook and at Brewers.com. And it was just a little five-inning situational scrimmage. And it was fun. There were no fans in the stands. There were no commentators, no audio. And I had a blast watching it. It just felt good to watch baseball, to watch the pitch go into the strike zone. We had a home run, had a couple good catches. It was just fun to watch today while I was sitting at work working on a couple of things. Last night, I'm almost a little bit embarrassed to admit this, but 
There was a Little League game going on uh, over by State Road last night. Kind of by Shelby, but not all the way into Shelby. A little bit uh, more to the north. There was a Little League game going on. And I was up on the bluff. Me and uh, a friend went for a bluff hike last night. And we watched the sunset. And while we're sitting up there, I'm like, hey, there's a baseball game going on. And we we watched a Little League game from, geez, what must have been almost a mile away. But we could barely see it. We could barely hear it. And we're watching these Little League kids run around the bases. We're watching the pitcher talk to the coach. Like We watched baseball from afar last night. We're craving anything. So just watching a scrimmage today on Brewers.com or watching a Little League game from a mile away on the bluff last night, it felt good. It, it feels like we're making progress. Now, college football is going to be tough, but hopefully Major League Baseball and in the NBA, in the meantime, can get things going. So let's talk about the Brewers. I want to go through the schedule, point out some things that jumped out to me, and I'd love to hear from you as well today. Uh, let's do an open phone Wednesday, 608-796-2558 on the five-star telecom talk and text line. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. Wisco Sports Show rolling on here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. You can follow me on Twitter at Keystroker Grant. Join the show. It's an open phone Wednesday. I'd love to have a conversation. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talk and text line. I want to talk about baseball today. I was able to watch the Brewers scrimmage on their website this afternoon. I tweeted out a link at WKTY on Twitter. By the way, if you don't follow us, please do so. You can stay updated with everything going on. Watch the Brewers scrimmage this afternoon. Uh, I was able to watch a Little League game from on top of one of the bluffs last night, right over Shelby, right over State Road. I don't know if that's, is that creepy, by the way? I was so far away, I couldn't even tell you how old the kids were, but I felt like I was watching a baseball game in a snow globe. Had a blast. It was peaceful. It was a beautiful night. Watch the sun go down and watch some kids run the bases. It's just good to have some semblance of baseball back in the last 24 hours or so. The Brewers' schedule has now been released. I'm not going to read through the whole thing. That would be incredibly boring. Maybe if I need to fill time later this week, we'll just sit down and we'll win-loss the entire schedule. We'll pick every game, whatever, if we really run out of things to talk about. For now, you can check the full schedule at WKTYsports.com. All of those games will be broadcast. Bob Uecker and company right here on WKTY. I'm not going to read you all the games. That would be really boring. But there are a couple of things that jumped out to me. And I'm not here to just complain and to moan. But I I have some questions. A couple things I want to highlight. And I want to point out some things that jumped out to me. So the season starts July 24th. The Brewers will be at Wrigley Field for the Cubs home opener. That game will be nationally televised. Okay, just looking at this schedule, one thing jumps out to me immediately, especially if you look at the whole thing at once. The Brewers start with six road games and end their schedule with seven road games. Now, look, with three and four game series, which are played in baseball, you don't play only one game, you play three or four typically. This isn't unfair. I'm not saying the Brewers were screwed by the making of the schedule. It's very easy to see why you could start with six games on the road. Well, Two, two road series, there you go. Or seven games at the end of the year, a four and a three game series. Not every team can start at home, right? Some team is going to have to go on the road and typically you go on a road trip. So you start with six games on the road. You end your schedule with seven games on the road. Six of the Brewers' first 10 series are on the road, just the way the schedule panned out. Got me thinking, does home field advantage even exist in 2020? And if so, it won't be because of the fans. There aren't going to be fans in ballparks. I don't care what mayors and 
presidents are saying. Nobody's nobody's going to sports in 2020. Can we stop talking about that? It's not going to happen. Can we put our focus and attention somewhere else? Like, sports haven't even come back yet. Can we stop saying that there should be fans there? There's not going to be fans, so there won't be home field advantage in that sense. But players, while in Milwaukee, they can be at home. Even if their families aren't there with them, they can be at home or at their apartment. They can cook. They can unwind. They can relax. While they're on the road this year, they're kind of stuck, aren't they? Stay in their hotel. You can't go out to restaurants. Can't go out to bars. You can't even, like, go walk around a city. Kind of stuck in your hotel room. So if road trips are even tougher than normal in 2020 because players are stuck in their hotel room, the Brewers are going to feel it early and they're going to feel it late, which isn't exactly great because in a 60-game season, you can't afford to start slow and you can't afford to limp to the finish line, which is a little bit concerning as a Brewer fan because they start with six on the road and end with seven. So hopefully the Brewers are able to overcome that travel and being away from Milwaukee and hopefully... Being on the road isn't too much of a disadvantage, but just because of the way their schedule is positioned, the Brewers could be in a tough spot if they get out to a slow start or if they limp to the finish line. Only 60 games. You can't exactly get into a slump or or go on a losing streak. That might be it for the Brewers in 2020. So we'll see if home field advantage is a big deal. I'm not saying in the ballpark, although you obviously always want to play at home, but more so with the travel and with the lodging at the hotel, you're going to be kind of stuck when you're on the road. That was the first big thing that jumped out to me. Yesterday, I complained about a few things about the schedule. We barely got into it. I complained that the Cubs get to host opening day, even though they missed the playoffs last year, and the Brewers beat them and made the playoffs. Well, that's more of a me thing. I don't expect everybody to feel that way. I was mad that the Bucks had to play in Philly on Christmas Day. And you know what? I'm still mad about that, because the Bucks made the Eastern Conference Finals, were the number one seed, and Philly was a mess. And Philly gets to host on Christmas Day, but whatever. That's not what I'm focused on. (laughs) I complained about that yesterday. And I also just noted the home road discrepancy between the Brewers and some of their divisional rivals. For example, they play the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Pirates. They play all their division rivals 10 times. The Reds, 10 matchups apiece. So against the Cubs, they play seven of those games at Wrigley Field. With the Cardinals, they play six of those games at Miller Park. And with Cincinnati, they play seven of those games at home in Milwaukee. Now, I get not all the numbers can be perfect, but seven to three, that feels a little bit unfair in favor of the Cubs. And when you play three or four game series, those aren't even numbers. So there is going to be an imbalance in only a 60 game season. I understand that. I'm not arguing that the Brewers got screwed. And I'm not just complaining to complain. Here's a solution, right? Here's a way to fix this. The Brewers playing seven of their 10 matchups with the Cubs in Chicago. Here's a way to fix this. Do more four-game series. Do five-game series. This isn't a normal season. So don't schedule it like a normal season. In a normal 162-game baseball season over the course of an entire summer, three- and four-game series have the advantage of months and months of time to balance out. So when you get to the end of a regular baseball season, there's not this huge discrepancy between home and away matchups between, say, the Brewers and the Cubs. But in only a 60-game season, you're only playing a team 10 times. Because those three- and four-game series don't shape out to be even numbers, there's going to be a discrepancy. So because this isn't a normal season, why did Major League Baseball feel inclined to schedule it like a normal season? Aren't they trying to avoid travel? So play five-game series. Once the Brewers get to Chicago, make it worth their while. Let them play five games. 
When the Cubs come to Miller Park, let them play four or five games. Don't waste time with three-game series this year. You can eliminate more travel. You can eliminate more, really, just infrastructure. It's, it can be more about baseball, less about going to the hotel, getting in the cab, getting on the plane. The risky part of this baseball season. If you play four or five-game series, there's less risk. And it allows you to balance some of these home-and-away discrepancies. If I'm the Brewers, I'm ticked that I only get three games at home against the Cubs, and i got to go to Chicago for seven. If I'm the Reds, I'm ticked that I only get three games against the Brewers at Great American Ballpark. Well, you got to go play at Miller Park for seven. And once again, I'm not just complaining to complain. I am providing a legitimate solution here, which, by the way, is something that is desperately missing in our society. People who have issues and problems and want to complain but have absolutely no solution, right? Like President Trump today is like, man, if schools don't figure it out, we're going to cut their funding. Schools need to be open. It's like, well... Donald, we all get schools need to be open. What are we going to do about it? Like, we can't just speak it into existence. It's the same with baseball. We, we can't just complain about these things. We actually have to suggest solutions. Here's a solution. Play five-game series in 2020. Five games at a time. Eliminate travel. Eliminate some of the road home discrepancies in these division matchups. And it's better for everybody. It's better for everybody. Trying to just not complain to complain today. I'm trying to be a little bit more constructive. I hope you appreciate that. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talk and text line. It's an open phone Wednesday. I'd love to talk to you about the Brewers' schedule, your feelings. Or maybe you're a Cubs fan, or maybe you're a Twins fan. Because this year, more so than ever, the Brewers and the Twins are going to see each other a little bit more. It's going to be a little bit more of a rivalry. There's a lot more connection between the AL Central and the NL Central because in a typical year, there isn't much. Brewers don't play the Tigers very often or the Royals very often. They play the Twins every year. But the AL and the NL Central are intertwined this season more than ever. So if you're a Twins fan, Cubs fan, Sox fan, I don't care. Join the conversation today. Let's talk about the Major League Baseball schedule and what the 60-game season is going to look like. Join me, 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talk and text line. If you don't want to call in, shoot me a text. Give me your thoughts. When we come back, I want to continue to talk about the schedule. I have a couple other things that I want to, hmm, I don't want to say complain. A couple other things I want to highlight. Just ask questions. Because I, I don't understand where the where the MLB's coming from on some of these things. It feels as though, to me, they tried to schedule this season like it's a normal season. And it's not. I think they should have made a couple tweaks, a couple of changes to fit the circumstances. Right? If you have exceptional situations, you need to make exceptions. I don't think MLB did that. We'll talk about that coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show, my name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out today. I hope you're doing well. I thought for a second last night that the weather was actually going to become bearable. We got a thunderstorm, got some cool air. It was actually possible to be outside last night, and I guess it's just back up to 1,000 degrees, so that's good to know. I'm going to hide inside, uh, probably for the rest of the summer at this point. (laughs) If you want to get outside and do something that's a good social distancing activity but isn't uh, limiting you to stay inside your house. Uh, go to WK2iSports.com and click on Win Stuff. We're giving away a four-pack of tickets to the Lacrosse Speedway. Four-pack of tickets includes food, drink, the whole shooting match, be a blast of a night out, and a good way to, I don't know, do anything and leave your house while staying outside and staying socially distant. Win Stuff at WK2iSports.com or on the WKTY app, whichever works better for you. We're talking about baseball. The Brewers released their schedule and so did every other team in Major League Baseball earlier this week. And 
been slowly looking at it each and every day and, and noticing new things as we get ready for opening day on the 24th. Full Brewer schedule is up at WKTYsports.com. And because we can't talk about the DH or about adding a runner to start extra innings at second base, right? Those decisions have already been made. Those are locked in. National League's going to have a DH. The rule has changed in, in extra innings. They brought that minor league rule now up to the major league level as well to try to shorten games as much as possible, at least this year. So those hot-button topics have been kind of taken off the table. But we still have interleague play. We can still talk about interleague play and whether it's a good or a bad thing. And in 2020, interleague play is a little bit different. The Brewers and every other team in Major League Baseball will play not only the National League division that they're in, they're still playing the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Reds, but they're also going to play the American League Central, the Twins, the White Sox, the Indians, the Royals. And of course, you should never do lists on the air because you can just have a brain fart and forget them. But this year, the Brewers are going to play 10 games apiece against the Cubs, the Pirates, the Cardinals, and the Reds. And then they're going to play a small amount, 20 combined games against the AL Central as well. I actually really like the idea of combining divisions in 2020. I think it makes the Brewers and the Twins rivalry more interesting. I think it's a shame that they normally only play six times. I'm glad that they're sticking with that this year. Game day in Milwaukee and Madison are very different. And, And I grew up very close to the Twin Cities, about an hour away in northwest Wisconsin. So I have a lot of friends that are Twins fans. And it's fun to go to a Twins game. And it's fun to go to a Brewer game with a group of both Twins and Brewers fans. It's something I did a lot growing up. It's something I did up until last summer. Uh, this summer, not really an option because we're doing baseball without fans, if we can even end up doing baseball here in a couple of weeks. The game day experience in downtown Minneapolis, you're going to the bars, you're walking around. Milwaukee, you pull right up to the stadium, grab a parking spot, pull out the grill, pull out the beer, and you tailgate. And that way, by the time you go into the game, you've drank just enough beer and eaten just enough brats to still go in and get more beer and get more brats. It's awesome, but a very different experience between Minneapolis and Milwaukee. Really fun. I like the combining of the American League and the National League divisions in 2020. All of that being said, I normally hate interleague play because it feels forced and it feels thrown together. Major League Baseball's schedule makers always do a bad job because the Brewers will be chasing a pennant in September. They have a series against the Cardinals and then the Cubs and the Reds and all these games are important and the division is battling to see who can win and who can maybe grab a wild card. And then randomly, let's take two days to play the, uh, let's see, Yeah, play the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, I I, I hate that. I don't get it. If you're going to do interleague play, do it right. It always feels so shoddy and there's random two-game matchups that are just mixed in there. This year, interleague play equals divisional play. So I'm okay with it. But in every other year, it's like, well, if we're going to do interleague play, let's actually do a good job. Because it feels cobbled together. It feels like an afterthought. This year, I thought, great. Awesome. It'll be better. Because it's not really interleague play. It's really just interdivisional play. But Major League Baseball still did a crummy job scheduling it, in my opinion. Do it right or don't do it. That's how I feel about it. And as you go through the Brewers' schedule, the Twins, they play, it's a fairly normal series, just like any other given year. They play three-game series. They do a home and away. But when it comes time for the Brewers to play the White Sox, they're doing they're doing a four-game series, but it's, Two home, two and away. Why two game series never makes sense to me. I don't know why. I don't know why we ever do that. And then in early September they play two against the Tigers, then two against the Indians, and then two more against the Tigers. Why is it that when 
when a National League team plays an American League team, we have to throw all normalcy out the window. I've never understood that. I don't like it. It feels weird. It feels shoddy. It feels like it's a step down. The end of uh, August and the beginning of September, the Brewers' schedule is a mess, and I don't understand it. So from the 24th to the 31st, so really the last week of uh, of August, the Brewers have a four-game set against the Reds, four-game set against the Pirates. Two divisional foes, four-game series, makes sense. All looks good to me. But then they have a two-game set against the Tigers at Miller Park. Then they have an off day. Then a three-game set against the Indians in Cleveland, and then an off day. And then they go to Detroit for two more, and then another off day, in which case they come back to Miller Park. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wasn't the whole idea of combining divisions this year to save travel, to have less travel? So we're going to go from Milwaukee to Cleveland to Detroit back to Milwaukee? That makes no sense. Why are we doing it? If it's to eliminate travel, and pull that off, that's not working because you're going all over the place to play random two-game sets. It's not even worthwhile. And if they're doing it for safety, look, once you're in Detroit, then play games, right? It's not like Major League Baseball made it feel like we got to get the Brewers into Detroit and get them out as fast as possible. It's like, well, no, the risk doesn't come during the games. And at the ballpark, the risk comes with travel, with flying, with riding cabs, with checking into hotels. Once the Brewers are in Detroit, don't play a two-game set. Make it worth their time. Otherwise, just forego it completely. One of my favorite quotes from any politician, any athlete, any movie star, anything, is from Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. He says, don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. Why are, we, why are we doing this? Why are we for I thought interleague play this year was going to be different. I thought it was going to be a legit feeling portion of their schedule. This feels shoddy. It feels thrown together like every other year. Why would they play two games against the Tigers at home, then take an off day, go to Cleveland, take an off day, and then go play two more against the Tigers in Detroit? It makes no sense. I I thought the whole idea this year was to cut down on travel. They're they're purposefully creating travel by scheduling this way. I I don't get it. And once again, I'm not trying to complain. I'm just trying to look at the the schedule critically and find out why Major League Baseball scheduled things the way that they did. And I don't understand the, the, the interleague play. It still feels sloppy. It feels thrown together like every other year. I thought it was going to be different in 2020. And, and once again, one final thing I want to point out, and maybe this is more of a personal preference, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll wager that most of you agree with me. I'm bummed that there are so few day games this year. People are working from home. People are laid off or furloughed. Kids aren't going to practice. They're not going to school. They're not going to play dates. They're at home. Everybody's at home. They only have 14 day games out of their entire 60-game schedule, and 12 of them are weekend games, which are normally day games anyways. I thought Major League Baseball would scatter day games all over the place. That way, people could have an opportunity to watch more than one game a day. Or kids, young people, the audience that Major League Baseball is always chasing after, Kids would actually have an opportunity to watch because if you don't start a game until 7-10, kids can't stay up and watch that entire thing. They got to go to bed. So while kids are home from school, home from sports, not hanging out with their friends, and parents are furloughed or laid off or working from home, why is there not baseball on during the day? It would have been an amazing opportunity to get the product in in a viewable spot, to have it be the only thing on TV in the afternoon. And if you have day games, well, then maybe somebody can watch the Brewers during the day and the Cubs at night. Perfect. Now you're doubling your viewership. 
14 out of 60? That's nothing. And 12 of those, all but two, all but two of their afternoon games are on the weekends. That's such a waste. Such a waste. And it seems so obvious, doesn't it? You should want to have as many day games as possible because people are at home. Makes no sense, and it feels like a waste. Day baseball is awesome. Day baseball is the best. Sun is shining. Something to do when you're stuck at home. I work mostly at night. And I and I work here in the afternoon, don't get me wrong, but like the last couple of years, I only worked at night. So when the Brewers were on at 110 on a Wednesday, I could watch the, the, the whole game. It was great because I could work from home, get some stuff done, and watch the Brewers. People are now at home more than ever. And you're only going to have two, two games out of 60 during the week that are on during the day. I hate that. I think that sucks. It's such a wasted opportunity for baseball. But then again, that's, that's kind of the, isn't that kind of the theme of 2020 for Major League Baseball? A wasted opportunity. The story of Rob Manfred, the Players Association, and Tony Clark in 2020. <laughs> Written by Bud Sealing. Forward by Grant Bills. That's, that's the book I would write. When we come back, I want to talk about Keston Hira. Uh, Keston here is going to be more important to the Brewers this year than ever before. And I don't think that people fully grasp how good Keston here is going to need to be for the Brewers to compete in 2020. I want to paint the full picture and show you exactly the expectations that are on Keston here coming up in 2020, even though this, this game is, or the season is only 60 games long. Final segment of the Wisco sports show coming up next. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show. Thanks for hanging out. I hope you're doing well. My name is Grant Bills. Follow me on Twitter at Keystroker Grant. And while you're doing that, make a quick stop at WKTYSports.com. Get signed up to win our four-pack of tickets to the Lacrosse Speedway. You get food, you get drink. It'll be a blast. Sign up, click win stuff, WKTYSports.com. Earlier this week, members of the Brewers were doing some press availability, and they're not having reporters in the room. With Council and Yelich and Andy Haynes and and all the members of the Brewers, they're, they're just like having them in a room by themselves, and then you kind of like FaceTime in to do an interview, which seems amazing. If I were ever interviewed, that's the way I would want it to be done. I'd want an iPad in front of me, and I'd want them all to take turns putting their face on the screen, and I I, I wouldn't want to <laughs> stick a microphone in my face. Doesn't sound too bad. You should do it that way all the time. Andy Haynes and Keston Hira uh, were the subjects of interviews. Uh, two days ago, it was on the 6th, Keston here talking about spring training starting and then stopping and then starting again, and he gave some details on how he uh, thinks that will affect his season, or I guess more specifically, won't affect it. Right before spring training uh, got canceled, you know, it started to feel really good. You know, I was in a, a place where, you know, I was excited to get the season started. I was like, all right, season, you can start now. You know, body is feeling good, swing is feeling good, arm is feeling good. Uh, so, you know, all, all everything... I'm, you know, on that checklist, you know, it's kind of checked off and, you know, all that was left was season. So, um, and I know that was a lot, the case for a lot of players as well, um, not, not only on our team, but, um, you know, it's just in general in the league. So, I mean, it's different. You know, no one, no one has ever done this before where um, you kind of ramp things up and then you just get shut down and then uh, not know when uh, things are going to start back up. So, Keston Hira, a player that is all about hitting, right? We didn't, Bruce didn't draft him and didn't save him all the way through the minor leagues from trades just to play second base or to run the bases. Like, hitting is his thing. And he says, well, it's a little odd. It's a little clunky. 
but I don't think it'll affect me too much this season. Andy Haynes talked about Castine here and his potential to be a great hitter for the Brewers for a long time. Some things I was paying you know close attention to was kind of how does he get to his success? Is there this one way that he has to get to his success? But there wasn't, you know. Um, I think that was what's so impressive. You saw him off Kimbrel. I mean, it's a pretty good breaking ball down away, the other way. Uh, I remember Vasquez, the lefty for Pirates. It's ninety-nine to one hundred. He pulls it. Um, you know, some teams will think they can go to some places to get him out, and then he'll make an adjustment. So when you watch a guy that's talented, he has aptitude, cares about the right things every day. It's only about preparing and being great. Yeah, you feel really good, you know, about Keston and. And, man, this guy's got a chance to be a really good player for a long time. It's about time in 2020 to stop talking about the potential of Keston here because we need to start seeing it. And, and I'm not saying that Keston here has been disappointing the last years. I wish the Brewers would have given him more of an opportunity last year to be a contributor. They tried for far too long to get uh, Travis Shaw going. And at the time, I, I understood what the Brewers were doing. But in hindsight, it was not the correct play because Travis Shaw never got going. And the Brewers lost a bunch of games that... They really didn't have an opportunity to make up. They ended up being a wild card instead of a division champ, which they came darn close to at the end of the year. Maybe if they would have ran with Keston here instead of trying to pull Travis Shaw along, they actually would have been able to win the NL Central last year. And maybe we're talking about, we probably are talking about a different outcome because the Brewers ended up giving it up against the Nationals in the wild card. They go on to win the World Series. And the season ended how it did. Maybe if Keston here would have had a shot last year, Things would have gone differently, not only for the Brewers, but the rest of the National League and the American League as well, in the case of the Houston Astros and every other team that uh, didn't win the World Series in, in, in lieu of the Nationals. It's time to stop talking about the potential of Keston Hira and talk about how he can be great for a long time. We need to see it this year. Like now, like from day one, all the way through. When we were talking about the Brewers two weeks ago, Talked about their offense. I think the Brewers offensively have a really good shot to be in the mix this year. Because the season's only 60 games long, Christian Yelich, having a player like Christian Yelich is invaluable. Because a player like Christian Yelich can power an offense for a certain amount of time. A month, maybe a little bit more than a month, 60 games, is very doable. And if Christian Yelich plays like an MVP, which I expect he will, he can be the centerpiece and the driving force for the Brewers offense and make up for a lot of the inadequacies that I think the Brewers lineup has. They let Yasmani Grandal and Mike Moustakis go. Those are two huge bats to lose. It's a lot of production the Brewers are going to need to make up. By losing Grandal and Moustakis, the Brewers lose, just from last year alone combined, 63 home runs, 164 RBIs, and 510 total bases. I don't see a, a, a way that the Brewers can make that up this year without Keston here and not just being good, but being an all-star and being great. I don't think it's too much to ask for Keston here to hit, hit 35 home runs and to hit, you know, I don't know, 60, 70 RBIs. Like, that's what it's going to take. If the Brewers want to contend and they want to stay afloat offensively after losing Grandal and Moustakis, Keston here is going to have to be unreal good. He's not going to have to be an MVP, but he's going to have to be what Grandal was last year. Going to have to be what Mike Moustakis was last year. It's a lot of production they lost in free agency. And yeah, I know they brought in Avi Garcia. And hopefully Lorenzo Cain will be healthy this year, but you can't piecemeal an entire lineup. You do need some star power, and Christian Yelich is a big first step, but like Kesson here is going to have to be really, really good. Really good. It, it can't be about potential anymore. It can't be about prospect 
anymore. It's it's got to be about performance. He's got to be really, really, really good. If Keston here doesn't hit 30-plus home runs and have 60-plus RBIs, I, I don't know if the Brewers have a shot. Christian Yelich will do a lot of the heavy lifting. We've seen players power an offense for a month. That's what that's what Yelich did in 2018. He's done it before. That's how he won his MVP, and it's how the Brewers won 100 games and, and made the NLCS. It was on the shoulders of Christian Yelich offensively. But he can't do it alone. Christian Yelich did it last year as well, but he also had Grandal and Moustakis hitting behind him. Keston here needs to be great if the Brewers want to contend this year. Needs to be great. Not just an exciting young player. Tomorrow, we're going to talk to Brian Sampson, Bucks Film Room. He covers the Bucks for Forbes. Talk about some analytics, Chris Middleton, George Hill, and what the restart might look like in Orlando and how it affects the Bucks being in the bubble. That and a whole lot more. We'll keep talking about the Brewers, too, as we wait for sports to come back later this month. Enjoy the rest of your night. Talk to you same time, same place tomorrow here on the Wisco Sports Show. Talk to you then. Talk to you then.